Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for watching over us. And Lord, we just, we're grieved. We're not surprised by the way the world acts. Because we were of the world one time and we did some really foolish things, I'm sure. But it was receiving Jesus as our Savior that started that transformation process, that sanctification process. And now our our hearts have been transformed and we see the silliness for what it is. Hatred. Just plain old hatred that is of the devil. Father, we thank you that your son came to give us that example of love. To love the prostitute to love the tax collector, to love the fisherman, to love the sinner. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we pray, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. For again, we're not surprised at people's reactions to holiness, to making the right choice, but we're grieved. Help us in that grieving process to pray more often for these people that they would come to know Jesus as your Savior. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. Father, we desire men and women, young and old, to know Jesus as their Savior. So we pray for this week, Lord, as your word goes out to these little ones that they would, those who are old enough to understand that they are a sinner in need of a Savior, that they would respond this week to that free gift of salvation. Father, we know there's always going to be a remnant. We see it even during the great tribulation. And Lord, we want them to be a part of the remnant. No matter how dark it gets, we want them to burn bright. So, Father, bless every teacher, bless your word, the music. We pray for safety on the grounds, for ankles and knees. We pray for all the saints, young and old, that are serving. As the week wears on, we get tired. So, Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit every day. Give us supernatural strength to press through, to press on, to love these kids like maybe they've never been loved before by a group of people. That you, Father will be glorified by all that's said and all that's done this week. And Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning. As we go through your word this morning, you'll stir our hearts. We don't need more information per se. Our hearts need to continually be transformed to love the unlovable because you love them. You loved us and that's why we love you. So I pray for the gift of teaching and that you'll be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our text this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. 
Furthermore, when I came to Troas, and if you're new or visiting, this is Paul writing to a church he deeply loved, to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. And I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God. We speak in the sight of God in Christ. Well, again, last week, uh, if you're new or visiting, last Sunday, we, we looked at the wonderful principle of forgiveness. You can get the CDs or free, pass them on. And let's remember the early churches didn't have the blessing of possessing the whole counsel of God like you and I do have today. In some ways, they had the unfortunate, the unfortunate privilege of learning by experience or what is known today as the school of hard knocks. So you can learn through the school of hard knocks or you can read your Bible. I encourage you to read your Bible and watch others fail and go, ooh, that hurt. I don't want to do that. Much easier. But God in his goodness and faithfulness gave them the necessary information. And guys, this is for you and me as well. These letters via Paul and others to overcome their own, what's the problem in Corinth? Immaturity. What's the problem in Christianity today? Immaturity. What's the problem in the world? Immaturity. That's just the way it is. It's very, very simple. And for that, we can be very thankful because we too at one point were very immature in the faith. We needed. And really, no matter how old in the Lord you are, still need to continue to seek after the truth. That's why I encourage you every single week, please have a devotional time. Please read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Obviously not in all sitting, but throughout the whole year. We have a daily reading schedule if you choose to do it. You'll read through the New Testament twice every year. You'll read through the Old Testament once per year, little bit by little bit. But as you get the word of God in your head, the Holy Spirit has now something really, really important to work with, the word of God. And it will transform our lives. You see, we all need to continue in our maturity as believers. And this morning, we're going to see a side of Paul that can overtake even the most mature Christian. Would you say that Paul was a mature Christian? (laughs) Absolutely. And at the same time, we also see the calm in Paul's life, the peace that surpasses understanding. While in the midst of an internal, an internal, Paul's life, and we see it this morning, an internal storm that you and I, we go through as well. Verses 12 and 13, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and the gospel is the good news that salvation is free, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior this morning, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. 
Yes, Jesus spoke of hell. So if you don't believe in Jesus, then you don't believe in hell. We believe in Jesus, and Jesus spoke of hell. Hell was created for the angels, the fallen angels. Hell was not created for mankind. God sends no one to hell. We choose to go there ourselves by rejecting what Jesus did on the cross. So this morning, if you reject what Jesus did on the cross, don't blame God when you show up on Judgment Day. God is not sending anyone to hell. We're saying, I don't need God, I don't need your Jesus, I don't need your Bible, I I don't care. Okay, that's fine. I just want you to know, God loves you, and he sent his son to die for you. You don't want him? It's on you. But the gospel is free. It's free. And a door was opened to me by the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit. Notice that, I had no rest in my spirit. He has an effectual door of ministry taking place. This is what I was talking about, the inner turmoil that Paul, a mature saint, was having. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, so he left that effectual door of ministry, I departed from Macedonia. You see, Paul was waiting for Titus, who had delivered Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. So why would Paul write this? Why would he pen this? He truly wanted to know if the Christians at Corinth, who had asked many questions about their faith, and that's why he's writing another letter, they had asked questions, just like 1 Corinthians, had accepted his teachings or not. Is the church growing? Did they understand his concern for their their Christian walk? Not his, for their Christian walk. Did they remember how much he loved them and showed them that love? I mean, he spent considerable amount of time with them. The most amount of time that he spent with any city was with the church at Corinth. Notice in verse 13 that there was a door of ministry that opened to Paul, but due to not hearing back from Titus, he was what? He was distracted. There's ministry in front of me, but I want to hear from Titus. Why didn't Titus come back? What happened to Titus? You see, Paul was so concerned about the Corinthians that he found himself not being able to properly focus on those who were in Troas. But what I think we see here is another glimpse of the love that Paul had for these young Christians. He was deeply concerned over their welfare. I don't think that Paul was bummed out, perturbed, or frustrated that God wasn't working within Paul's time schedule. God, what's your problem? Why isn't Titus here? There are two reasons why I think that. One is found in the Old Testament that Paul would have been very familiar with, Ecclesiastes 3.11a, and I encourage you, he has made everything beautiful in its time. It's kind of like Romans 8.28. Do we really believe in God? The other reason is found in our next verse, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Well, what do we just hear about Paul? That he had inner turmoil. But what do we hear now? Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You see, Paul breaks out in praise. He didn't allow the circumstances. Where's Titus? What's keeping him? around him to cause him to lose his focus on the Christ before him. He didn't allow the current situation. How are the Corinthians? Do they know how much I love them? How much I care for them? 
He didn't allow the current situation to cause him to stop looking towards the Savior, but rather, he broke out in praise. And I hope that you broke out in praise, not because some men and women made the right decision, because men and women are going to make wrong decisions. You stick around here long enough, I will disappoint you. I will make the wrong decision sooner or later. That's just life. Your mate will make the wrong decision. Your kids will make the wrong decision. The grandkids will make the wrong decision. If you're basing your hope and your trust and your happiness on a human being, you are going to be disappointed. We need to stay focused on God, on Christ, and say, yes, thank you, God, that this finally got overturned. But does that solve the problem? The problem is the heart, the heart of people, not what's written down. You can or you can't. That, that's not the problem. And so we need to keep praying for the heart. How do I react? A couple questions for you and me. How do I react when others are not on time? Now, I'm not talking about a dinner engagement, per se. But maybe on my time as far as... You know, we prayed for our oldest son for I don't know how long. That was hard. I think close to two decades before we hit rock bottom to look up. That was very, very hard. God, what's your problem? I've been praying for a year. God, I've been praying for three years. God, I've been praying for 10 years. God, what is your problem? When others disappoint me or my plans, how do I react? How do you react? Do I take it personally and start to pout, get angry and frustrated? Do I find myself reacting to, reacting to these things? How do I find myself reacting? It's very important. You see, Paul here is showing us how he reacted to the circumstances. He broke out in praise. God gives us a, uh, Paul gives us a very good insight into the flexibility of Christianity, even though he himself couldn't relax. Verse 13 there, I had no rest in my spirit. Not in the Holy Spirit, in his own personal spirit. His questions weren't getting answered, so he was, I don't have rest. I really want to find out. There was ministry taking place, as I've already mentioned, and yet he decided to leave. And we can see that he gave thanks, even though he didn't know what had happened to Titus yet. Guys, they didn't have Instagram. They didn't have any of this stuff. He gave thanks, even though he wasn't sure of the Corinthians. He still gave thanks. And that's what we learned in our maturing process as we were going down our roads raising our teenagers. Give God thanks in all things. Give God thanks in all things. It might not end up the way we want it to end up, but I'm still going to give God thanks. Because God is God. You see, within this verse, we find another principle. And it's not that God allows trials and tribulations to come into our lives so that He might push us to the edge of frustration. It's not that he's actually trying to break us down so that we might feel miserable. But rather, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us this, no temptation, a putting to proof, a proving. A putting to proof, a proving. If you've been doing the daily reading, we're in Job right now. Oh my goodness. Job, Job, Job. But would we do any better? Would we have friends around us that would do any better? I I hope so. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, mankind, men and women. But God is faithful. God is faithful, whatever it is, whatever trial, 
Now, that temptation, sometimes we think of, you know, a temporary temptation. That's also a trial. What's your trial? Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a, a, a family issue. Maybe it's a marital issue. Maybe it's whatever it might be issue. What issue? Are you still trusting that God is faithful? He hasn't failed. Who will not allow you to be tempted, tested. Job was being heavily tested, not by God. God allowed the enemy to test him, to prove him wrong. Beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, with the trial, with the test, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And what is one of those ways of escape? Praise. Praise. God, I'm going to praise you no matter what. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to praise you forever and ever and ever. And I will say, true and righteous are your judgments. And I will have no questions about this earth because my mind will be washed of this curse. Praise God. You see, God is actually allowing us to see what is within our own hearts so that we might grow and become more like Jesus because God's timing is perfect. I encourage you maybe this week, maybe later today or this week, check out John chapter 11. John chapter 11, those verses. You see, Martha, Mary and Martha were very disappointed the Lord hadn't come in time to heal their brother. If you're not familiar with the story, Lazarus got sick. Jesus often visited Lazarus. Mary and Martha stayed at their house, brought the disciples in. You talk about a crowd. You didn't know when they were going to show up, but when they showed up, they lovingly ministered to him. But Lazarus was sick, and Jesus was off ministering. Well, they sent messengers, Lord, your friend, he's very sick. They knew he was so sick that he was probably going to die. And then Jesus, when he got the news, said, don't worry. He's just sleeping. He's just resting. He's going to die. Disciples, (laughs) okay. And Jesus waited four days before showing up. It's just very interesting. Four days. Why would Jesus wait four days? Why, why not three? Why not five? It's kind of interesting. When you find something kind of unique in the scriptures, you want to do a little more digging. Why four days? He could have gone and been there in two days. Well, it's interesting. In the Jewish culture at that time, they taught that the spirit of a dead Jew would roam the earth for three days, and then that person would be judged on the third day. And their eternal fate would be sealed. Since the spirit would have been judged on the third day, there was no way that Lazarus, that Lazarus was going to be brought back to life on the fourth day, according to the theology. His physical body was dead and his soul was gone from this earth to its eternal destiny. His fate has been sealed. Very important to the story. So we can see that it was all about God's timing and not about the sister's desires. Because as you remember, when that story, as the story goes, as you read it, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What was she saying? You're the problem. You're the problem. But then she also says, But you're also the solution. Because I know if you ask God anything, he'll give it to you. She had no idea what Jesus was just going to do. But she was expressing her internal. Why weren't you here? But I know God hears you. Why weren't you? I know God hears you. And guys, that's where we need to be, even in this day we're living in. God, what's going on? But I know you're here. I just don't get it, but I know you're here. 
Stay focused, guys. Stay focused. Even in those things that seem to be disastrous to you and me, stay focused. So how can I react when someone isn't on time, when someone disappoints my plans? The way I react to the external is usually a reflection of what's going on in the internal. Think about that for a second. And think about Christian maturity. The way I react to the, on the external or to the external is usually a reflection of what's going on in the internal. Do I really trust God? Do I really trust God? Hmm. It's an important question. Because Paul broke out in praise. And remember when Paul and Silas were in the Philippian jail? It was during their second missionary journey. They had been falsely accused, beaten, and then placed in the stocks in the dungeons. And Acts 16.25 tells us this. But at midnight, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. This is very interesting and very important for you and I as you go to work tomorrow and the next week and the next week and, and it just gets more and more intense as, we're, as we know the scriptures tell us it's going to get worse and worse and worse. How are you going to react? Are you going to get mad? Are you going to get frustrated? Are you going to get angry? Are you going to get short? Are you going to cuss somebody out? Are you going to become like the pagans themselves? Or are you going to trust in God, pray, God, give me the correct answer here. Help me to ask the right questions. God, help me to be loving, yet firm, but loving. And we can learn from this situation, but don't wait until the situation occurs in your own life before you learn the principle. Because here's another principle, praise. Don't wait until you're falsely accused or beaten or imprisoned before you allow God to adjust your attitude. Paul and Silas were revealing what was in their hearts, whether they were in prison looking out or on the outside looking in. And it's important for you and I. It's very, very important because I think for some reason in Christianity, a lot of people think the scriptures are like a magic book. Now, what did Paul and Silas do? Oh, yeah, they they prayed and sang. So if I just pray and sing, then the doors will open and I'll be free. From this situation, not necessarily true at all. It's like people try to claim certain principles without allowing the Holy Spirit to transform their lives. It will obviously help to pray and sing, obviously. But God deserves our adoration and not our what? Manipulation. Well, God, I've prayed, so you owe me. Well, God, I sang, so I deserve. That's manipulation. You see, when we seek him in truth and sincerity, God will always move on our behalf. I really don't think that God is too interested in our external comforts. Now, you as an American, me as an American, we might think otherwise. But guys, let's look at the world. How many Christians are in the world and don't have a tenth, maybe one percent of what we have? And they're still content. And they still love God. And they know that God loves them. Go to the Philippines. See how much the average Christian has over there. 
Go to some of these countries that have very, very little, and you'll realize, how could they be happy? Because they got Jesus. How can we be happy? My 401k. Bitcoin. If you're trusting in any of that stuff, kiss it goodbye. That's part of equity. Remember about two years ago I mentioned to you the key buzzword now is equity. We're going to have equity around the world. He's interested, though, in our heart's response to situations. That's what he's very interested in. Again, the Word of God is not a magical book that I can pull out when it's convenient, but love letters that God desires to use to mold me into what? In the image of Jesus. Verses 14, 15, and 16. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph, in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses a fra- the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So two groups of people, Paul says. There are those who are saved and there are those who are dying. To the one, we are an aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? So a little bit of background. The word triumph here means to conquer, to have victory. Leads us in triumph to Christ. To conquer, to have victory. So a little bit of history is important here. Here's an awesome word picture that Paul is giving to the Corinthians. At that time, when a Roman general went off to war, if he was successful in killing at least 5,000 enemy soldiers and gained new territory for the emperor, then he would receive a Roman triumph. This type of parade would be like the ticker tape parades after World War II. The general would ride in a special chariot surrounded by his officers. They would have behind them the spoils of war as well as those who were taken captive. There would be the pagan priest of Rome who would be carrying their incensors filled with burning incense. They were paying special tribute to this victorious army who had come back from war. The procession would follow a special route through the city and would end up at the theater called Circus Maximus. This is where the captives would be used for entertainment, throwing them into the theater to fight the wild beast. And of course, the beast always won. So get that picture. There's the picture of the triumph that Paul is talking about here. Let's read those verses again with that thought in mind. Think of a general coming in, ticker tape parade, the priest, the pagan priest, with incense following the victors, but also the captives following the victors. What do they know? We're going to die. What do the victors know? We're living. We've got life. And look at what we all brought back. We got more life because we got more possessions. So now with those thoughts in mind, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. There's that mental picture. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You and I, guys, we should be a sweet-smelling incense when we go into our workplace, not a stink but a sweet-smelling incense of what? Of life. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, new believers, 
life and an abundant life and among those who are perishing. But there's a difference, as Paul explains in verse 16, to the one, the aroma of death leading to death. So get that picture. Guys, when we go out into the world, they're dead and they're going to die. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. If you're born once, you're going to die physically. You're going to die spiritually. If you're born twice, you're only going to die physically because you're going to put on your brand new body and spend eternity with God. So again, the decision is yours. How would you like to go? You are being led captive, but we've been set free for all of eternity. And to the other, the aroma of life to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Paul will answer that next week for us. Well, in a few weeks. We're going to take a vacation. But Paul will answer that if you look down in the verses. Read ahead chapter 3. Who is sufficient for these things? Hmm. You'll find out. You see, Paul is sharing with the Corinthians that even though he doesn't know where Titus is, even though he's unsure of the current state of the church at Corinth, he's in a victory march. And guys, so are we. We're heading to heaven. Are you putting your trust in this place? He knows who has won the eternal victory. You see, Paul intimately knows the one named Jesus who left heaven to come and conquer sin and death through his resurrection. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Thinking about this walk that we all have. Again, Paul intimately knows the one named Jesus who left heaven. Guys, he left heaven to conquer sin and death through his resurrection. Romans 6, 8 says, Now if we died with Christ, notice that, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. So important as I was reading my Catholic Bible, and again, we don't bash churches here. We just try to teach truth to help mature. And as you have to deal with Catholics, encourage them to read their Catholic Bible. Don't argue the Pope. Don't argue none of that nonsense. It gets nowhere. Encourage them to read their Catholic Bible. Because as you read your Catholic Bible, it says this, exact same verse, exact same verbiage, that he died once, just once for all. The Catholic Mass He's re-crucified at every single Mass. And every priest has to celebrate a Mass every single day. So he's re-crucified and re-crucified and re-crucified and re-crucified and re-crucified. It's unscriptural, even in the Catholic Bible. That's why they don't want you to read your Catholic Bible, because you'll find out the truth and you'll leave the church. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, so now speaking of Jesus, now making it practical for you and me, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Guys, if we go out this week and hate people because they're hating life and they want their rights to kill, to murder babies, and we end up hating them in our heart, but we don't necessarily say it or maybe show it, but we're hating them in our heart. What did Jesus say? If you hate somebody in your heart, You've already committed murder. It's about the heart, the heart, the heart. 
So important. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Stay in Romans. We're going to see some more of Romans. You see, Paul intimately knows that Jesus came and reclaimed the territory of death and has once again been given all authority over all things. Paul knows the one to whom every knee shall bow because the victory that came on Mount Moriah on the hill Golgotha or Calvary, it was that place of execution that Paul was familiar with. You see, there was no doubt in my, there's no doubt in my mind that even though Paul had anxious moments, do any of you have anxious moments? Raise your hand if you have an anxious moment. And I'm raising my hand not for you to raise your hand, but because I have anxious moments. Everybody look around. Raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Wow. That's pretty incredible. You see, we're all the same. We're all the same, guys. Don't elevate anybody. Don't elevate the pastorate. Don't elevate anybody. We're all the same. We need Jesus. We need more of the Holy Spirit. But I have no doubt that even though Paul had anxious moments, he knew the one who had taken through those moments. So important. You see, in, in a, just a few short months, Paul is going to be inspired to write the letter to the Romans from Corinth. Listen to what he is going to write. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, 37 and 39. And isn't it interesting to piece these letters together and to see how awesome God is? He's writing Romans from Corinth. He was so concerned. Do they love me? Do they love the word of God? Where's Titus? Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Notice past tense. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, Democrats, Republicans, Marcus, Communists, Atheists, put whatever name you want in there, guys. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing. That's everything. That's all-inclusive. Put any word in there that you want to put in there to describe something. It's covered. Paul's covered it. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As a believer, God loves you unconditionally. Agape love, and that love will never, ever change. Can my love change towards God? Absolutely. Can my love change towards humanity? Absolutely. It's never God's problem. It's always about me. I got to come back to me. How do I stay in the love of Christ? By staying focused on Christ. Staying focused on Christ and asking for more of the Holy Spirit. You see, for Paul and for us, the cross brings us that wonderful smell of victory. For the Christian, there's no more fear of death, but rather it's the sweet smell of victory. And when you go to work or hang out with family members, some of them will say that you stink. This week, you might hear that. We're going on vacation. I'm probably going to hear it because a lot of my family is very, very liberal. You stink. Now, it might not be in those words. Probably be more colorful words with some expletives in there. But I bet I'm going to hear that. 
Okay. Your Christianity is not a sweet smell of victory, but a foul smell of judgment. Who are you? Who are you to say life begins in the womb? Who are you? You stink. You see, they don't want to fall in line and march to heaven because that means they'll have to die to their own fleshly desires. You guys know that, right, as Christians? You have desires and you've got to die. I think Paul said, I crucify. I'm crucified with Christ. I die daily. Ow! We don't want to die, do we? They would rather ridicule or mock you, hoping that you'll go away and not bother them anymore. Just keep letting the sweet incense of love, grace, mercy permeate from your life. It's a wonderful smell that reminds us all of where we're heading. Plant, water, fertilize. So Paul ends with a question that he will answer again in a few verses, that God is our sufficiency. But let's wrap it up with verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. For we are not as so many. Again, remember Paul in this letter is going to be addressing the false prophets, those who are trying to draw people after themselves, draw people away from the word of God, back into religiosity. For we are not as so many peddling. That word peddling there is to retail. A huckster. To retail. I'm going to sell you a gospel. That's what religion is all about. Selling a gospel. And it's not good news. It's, it's always bad news. The word of God. But as of sincerity. But as from God. This is from God. What we're sharing with you is from God. It's not out of my own brain. This is from God. It's God breathed. God inspired. We speak in the sight of God in Christ. In his letters, Paul shared with the Corinthians that they should support him in the ministry. That's a teaching in Corinthians. But he didn't hold them to that because he knew they were immature. He knew they didn't understand it, but he taught it. Rather, he just taught the word in sincerity, which means clearness or purity. Clearness or purity. If you've come here for any length of time, you have never heard me do a begathon. You've never heard me do a teaching on tithing. You've never heard me tell you you need to give more. You've never, and in 20 years, we've never done that. We're celebrating 20 years. We've never done it, and we're not going to do it. The Bible says you pray about what the Lord would have you to give. And as you give out of a cheerful heart for the work of the ministry, you're storing up treasure in heaven. And if God is telling you to not give anything, then you don't give anything. That's between God and you. I don't know who gives. I don't want to know who gives. I don't know how much people give. I don't want to know. Never have, never will. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It's between you and God, and it's between God and me what I give. But we give graciously. God has blessed us abundantly. So you pray. Rather, he just taught the word in sincerity, cleanness, purity, knowing that God was in his presence via the Holy Spirit. Guys, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. And when we remember that God is in our midst, we will teach the word in total purity. Whether we're teaching in Sunday school, adult Sunday school, or with the children, at a home Bible study, or sharing with a neighbor, 
we start to look past the exterior of a person and see our God. And guys, I just want to encourage you, that's the easiest way to teach and lead someone to look to the cross. Look past them. I'm not saying ignore them, no eye contact. I'm saying look past the exterior and know that they need Jesus. They're saying what they're saying because they know they need Jesus. As a Bible-believing Christian, there should not be a Bible-believing Christian on the face of this earth that would say abortion is okay. We endorse abortion. There should not be a Bible-believing Christian on the face of this earth that should say that. It's totally unscriptural, totally unscriptural. But that's where the church is going, which tells us we're in the last days. Another sign that we're in the last days. So we have to look past them and see the Heavenly Father offering them eternal life. And for those who are saying those type of things, maybe they're not even saved. And again, we're not, we're not salvation investigators. We're just fruit inspectors. And if somebody is saying something that goes against the Word of God, you have the right and the privilege to lovingly, graciously, with mercy, go to them privately, as we talked about last week, not on social media, privately go to them to lovingly correct them, bringing them to the truth because God is granting them repentance. But maybe they just need a brother or a sister to come alongside them and say, no, no, no. Social justice? What are you talking about? BLM? What are you talking about? No, 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 no. There's one race, the human race. So as we wrap it up and the, the music team comes up, Do you find yourself anxious, worried, or frustrated? Like right now, no sign of hand, no raising of hands. It's just between you and the Lord. I just want to ask you these simple questions. Do you find yourself anxious, worried, or frustrated? How do you respond when a trial hits? You see, we've just done a study. If we don't try to apply the study, then the study's pointless. I think most from this room, we probably don't need more head knowledge. We need heart transformation, and we need our heart challenged. No matter how old we are, there's no such thing as spiritual retirement. When you take your last breath on earth, then we can say, oh, they finally retired. Praise God, there's no more flesh. To your last breath, stinking flesh. Are you smelling good throughout the day? Your workplace, not talking about physical, obviously. I had an uncle that didn't believe in taking showers. (laughs) It was the craziest thing. They would come and visit, and uh, after two or three days, my mom, his sister, would hand him a bar of soap and say, get in the shower. He was just raised in that generation where deodorant? No, I use manly deodorant. None. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) As a Christian, you don't want to stink as a Christian. You don't smell any different than the rest of us. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Pray about these things. And watch how God, via the Holy Spirit, will work in your life. Guys, don't be surprised. Be grieved. But don't be surprised. Rather, pray, pray, and pray some more. Father, we thank you and praise you that we come before a throne of grace. And Lord, I see men and women out protesting, saying the dumbest things. They don't have Jesus. 
they don't understand life. They don't understand eternal life. So I'm not really surprised. But it's grieving to the soul. And so, Father, as we go through this week and we see people like that, help us to remember to pray for their souls. Help us to remember to lift them up before your throne. That they might get saved before the great tribulation that is soon coming upon this earth takes place. And Father, as we go into our workplace, help us to pray before we even enter on the drive there instead of maybe listening to music, maybe just praying, asking for more of your Holy Spirit towards that supervisor that kind of agitates us, that we'd be ready for the coworker who mocks us or ridicules us, who calls our faith into question, that we'll be ready, as your word says to do, to give every person an answer for the living hope that we have. Not that we're perfect as Christians, we're not. But at least we have some good answers. So Father, help us to be ready to give an answer at break time, at lunch time, before, after work. Help us to be the best employee on the job site, the best student in school. To the best of our ability through your Holy Spirit, Father. That we might plant, water, fertilize. And Lord, if it's your will this week, it'd be wonderful to pray with somebody to receive Jesus. So again, Lord, we pray for all the VBS students, the little ones coming. Lord, if it's, if it's your will, we'd love to pray with some of these kids to receive Jesus as their Savior out of sincerity, not out of a group hand show, but out of true sincerity of repentance. We'd love to pray with them. So Lord, just help us to be attentive. Help us to be ready. Help us to be available. We just thank you and praise you, God, for using us this week. Wherever we might be, retired, job, neighborhood, use us, Father, for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.